we've got so many different backgrounds and so many different stories in this room. I bet you if we let everybody have two minutes to tell their story, two minutes would turn into five minutes to ten minutes, and we'd be here till about Thursday because we all come from different backgrounds, different stories. We've all been through different things, right? And, but what I know is this, is that all of us, while we've got a lot of differences in our lives, we have a lot of things in common too, probably. We all like and dislike things. Um, like liking things, we all like stuff, right? Right? How many of you like puppies? Puppies are cute. Puppies, puppies are fun until they start chewing on stuff. Like we, we uh, I, I found out like my little girl wanted a puppy. Daddy, can I have a puppy? Daddy, can I have a puppy? And you know as a parent that kids really, like they want the puppy, but they like more the concept of having a puppy. They don't want the responsibility of having the puppy. You know, that's a puppy to my kid means that, that she gets to have fun with it and mommy and daddy get to take care of it. So we get to do a lot of teaching along the way because they chew the mess out of stuff. They do. Um, how many of you like babies? Yeah. Babies are cute. How can you not like babies? Babies are work too, though. Babies are work too. There's so much work. Uh, me and my wife found out a lot of things as rookie parents with my first kid that um, when that diaper box says 10 to 15 pounds, it's not lying because that's all those things will hold. <laughs> all those things will hold, man. So we like babies. Babies are cute. How many people in here like football? See, we're getting some stuff. I heard a roll tide. There's no devil talk in church this morning. There can be no devil talk in church this morning. How many of you like professional football? All right. Yeah. Now, how many college football people do we have in the house this morning? Yeah. Yes, well, I'm talking about pro football kind of aggravated people this year, so we kind of migrated to college football. My favorite college football team is God's favorite team. In my opinion, the Auburn Tigers... They got it going on, and I hear some amens. Can I get, I'm getting booed. We might need to move on before y'all start chunking coffee or something at us. Um, So we all have things that we like, but we also all have things that we dislike too, right? Like for me personally, I hate heights. I hate heights. Dude, I think God gave us two feet so that we could be on the ground. That's why we don't have wings. You know what I mean? Uh, What this guy's doing right here, that's not normal. (laughs) Normal people don't wake up, drink their coffee, and go, hey, I think I'll just go up there on top of a big tower like that. That's not not normal people stuff right there. Normal people don't do that. So Josh does not do heights at all. And another thing that Josh doesn't do at all is snakes. I do not do snakes at all. I just don't do it. Me and uh, Indiana Jones have got this thing in common. I don't know who's filming this. It's probably the brother of the guy that was up on top of that tower. Because <laughs> this is insane. Who would want to get that close? I can't even watch it hardly. I don't like snakes at all. Um, how many of y'all love snakes? A couple of people, you're weird. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. Because um, that ain't natural right there at all. No snakes whatsoever. Uh-uh, Josh, don't do that at all. Now listen... Don't be cute and go get a snake and say, I'm going to have fun with a pastor and I'm going to throw a snake on him. Don't do anything like that. Three things are going to happen if you do that. Number one, I'm probably going to scream like a girl. All right? And you don't want to see that. Number two, I'm going to punch you in the throat. 
and then you're going to see Jesus. Just like that. So if you want to see Jesus and get throat punched, then bring a snake. But I'd advise you to avoid that. Um, <laughs> I hate snakes. I just can't mess with it. Just, I can't do it. Um, but another thing that I know that we all probably have in common with likes and dislikes is that um, we've all experienced doubt at some time in our lives. We've all experienced some kind of doubt at some point in our lives whether it was from something that a person said or something that a person did, or we watched our political system at work. We've all had doubts at, at some time in our lives. Or if you're a sports fan in the state of Georgia and you root for the home team, you probably got doubts on whether or not we're ever going to win a stinking championship in this state. Can I get an amen on that? You know, it's, we all experience some kind of doubt, though, at, at some point in our lives. And if we're not careful, the things that happen to us and the doubt that we experience can diminish the light of hope that we have inside of us in the beginning and kind of move it over to the darkness of doubt. Because we realize that things don't operate the way that we would like them to and people don't behave the way that we would want them to and systems don't work the way we want them to and things happen to us that we would rather not have happen to us and it all affects us. And sometimes those doubts that we experience in life can cause us to doubt God. And probably all of us at some point have been there, or we know somebody that's been there, where the things that have happened have created a scenario and a situation where they found themselves doubting God. And there's four main things, four main types of doubts that pop up that, that affect us and, and affect how we view God, whether it's circumstances or lifestyle, or intellectual issues, or we run into problems with some kind of organized religion that all cast a shadow of doubt in our hearts if we're not careful. People struggle with that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've experienced some stuff in your life that's caused you to have doubts in people. Maybe you're here this morning and you've experienced some stuff that maybe has even caused you to have doubts about God, to have doubts about Jesus, and to have doubts about the function of his church in this world. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you've experienced some of that. But I want to tell you that for every doubt that we have, there's an answer in Scripture. God doesn't shrink away from the doubts that we have. And a great example of that in Scripture is found in the book of John. Um, going over this, this experience that this guy named Thomas went through. Thomas was one of Jesus' disciples, and he had gone through a rough spell. Some of you guys know this story, but he had followed Jesus for years, seen him do miracles. He had devoted his life to following Jesus. And then Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was crucified and killed, and Thomas's whole belief system in life got turned upside down because of what he experienced. And Thomas was reeling from this. In John 20, he says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, if you guys are looking for a great name for a kid, that's, that's a candidate right there. Didymus, Didymus, Didymus. Man, that kid would get beat up, I think. That would be a cool football name, though. Didymus at the 15, Didymus at the 20. I, I don't know. You can see how that goes. Me and, me and Kelly, like somebody gave, I know this is way off track, but somebody gave Kelly and I advice on choosing a child's name, and they said, when you're picking the name for your kid, you work out a list of maybe like your five top names that you want, 
And then you get in the car and you drive, and then you practice yelling those names at the back seat. And then whichever one feels most natural, that's the one you go with. So we're driving, Hannah, sit down. Yeah, that felt good. So we named our first kid Hannah. That's how that happened. So, <laughs> so Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. I always wonder why he wasn't there. Maybe he was getting coffee, or maybe he's, he was just messed up because everything he had believed in up until that point got pulled out from underneath him like a carpet. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. We've seen him. Because Jesus appeared to those guys, but he said, hey, look, unless I see the nail marks in his hand, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe it. His whole world had been rocked because of what happened to him. And he said, you know what? I've seen this stuff, and I've seen what happens. And for me right now, what you guys are telling me is not enough. I'm checking out on this. Unless I see it and I experience it personally for myself, I'm not buying into it. And maybe you're here today, and, and that's your story, where some things have happened and it's rocked your world. And while there, there might be an itch in you to want to believe that God is who he says he is, and the church is, does what it's supposed to do, and if the people of God can be what they're supposed to be, unless you see it and experience it personally, because of the experiences in your past, it makes you want to hesitate. And it keeps you from participating and experiencing everything that God wants for you in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're like Michael. Michael is a guy who is a hard worker. Michael is a guy who spent most of his life working for the railroad. Michael served in Vietnam. He's a veteran. Michael served with the Marines. He's a sniper in Vietnam. Guys, I'm going to switch over to the handheld mic because this thing is popping like crazy. I don't trust it. Thank you very much. Michael was uh, a sniper for the Marines. But while he was there, Michael saw a lot of terrible stuff because you see a lot of terrible stuff when you're in situations where war is happening. And Michael lost a lot of close family or a lot of close friends in service. But it didn't just stop there with Michael. All of his life, Michael has experienced loss over and over and over again. He lost friends in Vietnam. He's lost close friends after that. He's lost family members. And even tragically, Michael lost a daughter. And when you experience stuff like that, it calls you to ask questions. You know, when, when my wife and I went through a situation that was rough and we lost a child, it, it caused us to ask questions like, why? Why is this happening to me? Why did this stuff happen to to people in the world? And if God is so good, then why is this world so messed up? Legitimate questions that people ask. You know, maybe you're here today and and you're a little bit like Michael, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're like Nathan. Nathan is a guy who had a normal childhood growing up until about the age of 14 when he went through a really, really hard time and his world got turned upside down. And Nathan, out of the hurt and the desperation that he was feeling, he turned to drugs, and he started using. And while people were telling Nathan about God and God's love, Nathan didn't want anything to do with them because all he had experienced from that group of people was hate and a little bit of judgment 
And in Nathan's eyes, him coming to church and being around those people was kind of being fake because it meant that he had to stop being who he was to become somebody else's idea of what a good person should have been. So instead of doing that, he decided to stick with the drugs through high school and out of high school. And out of high school, he started selling. Maybe you're here today, and, and that's your line of thought, where you heard about God, and you know a little bit about God, but you don't want to change lifestyle necessarily because you feel like you're being untrue to who you are. And you see church as a place where good people go and people who have their lives together go, and you don't want to become somebody else's idea of what a good person is supposed to be. Maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe you're like Nisha. Nisha grew up her entire childhood in a godly household. I mean, they went to church. I mean, every Sunday they were in church. They planned their whole family calendar around church activities and church events, in church, having fun, all through grade school, all through high school. This was Nisha's life, in church, surrounded by the church, until she went to college. And in college, she got around people that had different philosophies, She got into a new circle of friends that had different religious backgrounds. And in conversations with them and exposure to different things on campus, she started doubting what she had been taught her entire life. And that doubt caused her to walk away from her faith during that season in her life. Maybe you're here this morning and you got questions like Nisha had where, you know what, with all the religions that there are in the world, how in the world can Christianity be the only true way? There's so many of them out there. There's so many claiming to have the right answer. How can just Jesus stuff and how can Christianity be the only legitimate way with all the religions that are out there? Or with all the scientists saying what they say and what they teach and seeing evolution and things like the Big Bang Theory taught in our grades, grade school and high school textbooks, with those theories out there, how in the world can we believe in God? And if, God, if there really is a God, where's the evidence of him that he actually exists? Maybe you're here this morning and you got questions like Nisha had in that season of her life. Or maybe you're here today and you're like Michelle. Michelle had a rough childhood, came from a split family. Then later on she found Jesus. And she fell madly in love with him. And he changed her on the inside. She was so excited about what God was doing in her life. And she, she got as close to him as she possibly could. And she started going to church regularly. And she got involved in ministries in the church. And it didn't stop there. She actually started working in a church because she was so in love with God. And she so wanted to be a part of what was happening. And in church, she was serving. And she was seeing what she was doing impact the lives of people. And it was exciting for us. It was like the best time of her life. And then she got caught. In the middle of a situation, through a series of circumstances, they got real ugly real fast. She got caught between two groups of people, and she found herself being betrayed. She found herself being lied about. She found herself being gossiped about and slandered. And it got so bad, and it got so ugly in this situation that she was being threatened by people in the church. And she actually received death threats from some of those people. That's pretty messed up. And Michelle said, you know what? 
if this is the way it's going to be, if this is how people are really act, if this is how it's going to be in church, I don't want anything to do with this. And she walked away and said, I'm done. Maybe you're here today and that's your story where you've been in church, you know the deal, but something's happened and it's caused some hurt. Something's happened and it's caused some doubts and it's caused you to walk away. Maybe you're here today and you're like Michelle. But what I know is this. No matter what we've experienced in our life or what kind of doubt we, we face, Jesus doesn't run from our doubt. He comes to the doubt to quiet the storm, to speak peace to our hearts, and to give us the answers that we need if we're willing to hear it. Amen? So in John chapter 20, Jesus comes back into the situation and he goes straight to Thomas. A week later, his disciples were in the house again And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. You know why he said, Peace be with you? Because they probably would have ran out the door. They were just in there talking, and then suddenly somebody appeared like Obi-Wan Kenobi on Star Wars, just right there. I would freak out. Like if I had heard, Peace be with you, I would have, if the door wasn't open, I would have made a hole in the wall that looked about like this right here. Like I would have just been running. So he goes straight to Thomas, and he says, Look, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Stop doubting and believe. And I believe this morning God is saying to a lot of us, it's time to stop doubting and believe. It's time to stop doubting and believe because if you look to God and you look to Jesus for the answers legitimately, the answers are always going to be there to answer the questions and to resolve the doubts that we have in our hearts. Amen? So maybe you're here this morning and you've got circumstantial doubts. You've got doubts because of circumstances that have happened in your life. And I get that. I get that because I've been there myself too. And I want to give you a couple of things this morning that have helped me through that. If that's okay, I want to give you some stuff that helped me through that. And it's two words, sin and choice. Sin and choice. If God is so good, why is this world so jacked up? It's because of sin and choice. This world we're in is absolutely jacked up. You agree with that? It is messed up. If you doubt that, then watch 24-hour cable news. I'm telling you right now, you'll be on antidepressants before noon if you stop watching that stuff in the morning. It's like, oh my gosh, this world is just it's going to hell in a handbasket. This is crazy. All this stuff is happening. Kids are still eating Tide Pods. What the heck is going on in the world? It's crazy. I still don't get that. I still don't get it. But this world's absolutely messed up. But it's messed up because of sin and choice. In the beginning, when God created this world, he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he told them, don't eat the fruit from this tree. Satan came in and he tempted them and they ate the fruit. It's a bad mistake. Everybody say bad mistake. When they, made a, when they made that bad mistake and disobeyed God and sinned, the consequences of that sin came into the world. And that's very important to understand. The consequences of sin came into the world. All right? Look, death is a consequence of sin. God never intended for any of us to die. Work is a consequence of sin. Think about that, guys and gals. None of us would have to go to work if Adam and Eve hadn't done what they'd done. 
I kind of got something against them. I, gotta, I might have to repent about that. Think. None of us would have to get up at 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning, go deal with the boss and all the other people. We'd just be running around in the garden naked and eating fruit like God wanted us to do in the beginning. That'd be fun. Might be disturbing, but it'd be fun. It'd be fun. But work, consequence of sin. Listen, sickness, disease, all consequences of sin coming into the world because of a choice that was made. And listen, sometimes sinful people choose to do bad things, and God is never going to override somebody's free will to choose to do what they want to do. So sometimes things happen to us because sinful people choose to do bad things. And sometimes things happen because we live in a fallen world under the curse of sin, and as a consequence of that sin, we're having to deal with the repercussions of it in this world today. So is God a good God? Absolutely, He's a good God. Because He gave us Jesus to help us overcome the consequences of sin in our lives and in this world. And I'm so thankful for it. And I'm also so thankful uh, to Jesus because He didn't shy away from this issue at all in Scripture. He didn't shy away at all. In John 16, uh, verse 33, He just told the people there just straight up, Look, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. To take heart, I've overcome the world. He told them straight up, you're going to have trouble in this world because of sin and the consequences of sin, but I've overcome it. I've overcome it. And while the things that we face in this world are going to be temporary, we have the hope of an eternity with peace and love in the presence of a God that loves us more than we could possibly imagine. Amen? Amen. So don't let circumstances cause doubt in your life. God loves you this morning. Maybe you're here today and you've got doubts in your life and, and, and doubts about church and God because of lifestyle issues in your life. And you see becoming a Christian and coming to church as being insincere to who you are because you don't want to have to sell out who you are to become what another person says you're supposed to be. I get that. I get that. I hate fake all day long. I hate fake all day long. Um, and, and I know that a lot of times a lifestyle outside of church and a lifestyle outside of the Word of God, look, let's just be straight up honest, man. It's fun, isn't it? Sin is fun. If it's not, you're not doing it right. I went to the church and the pastor said sin was fun. It is fun. I've done some of it. That's some fun stuff. It's fun. But here's what I know is that it's only fun for a season. It's only fun for a season, and there's always a price to pay for sin in our lives. There's always a price to pay. Think about how things play out. Uh, So let's say you don't want anything to do with God. Forget that. You want to have sex and do your own thing, premarital sex and all that stuff, and, and get into it and... And, and, and that's your thing. But think about the consequences of that. Is it fun? Yeah, it's fun for a little bit till you start itching in places you don't need to be itching. There's consequences to it. There's a price that has to be paid. Listen, herpes isn't fun. Crabs isn't fun. Gonorrhea is not fun. All right? The itch that won't go away is not fun. STDs are not fun. Did you know that it's estimated right now? This will blow your mind. The CDC estimates that one out of every four Americans right now is carrying some kind of sexually transmitted disease. 
I bet you won't get Vegas to take those kind of odds. Think about that. That's just crazy. That's just crazy when you think about it. Think about this, too. They say if you're under the age of 25, like 25 and under, sexually active, the odds of you having a sexually transmitted disease are one in two. And if that don't make you want to keep your pants on, I don't know what would. I'm just telling you, that kind of stuff is scary right there. I don't want nothing to do with that. Walking around in public, people just scratching and doing that's just, It's not good. That's just a bad situation. It plays out ugly. It plays out ugly. Think about this, the party lifestyle. It always ends up in one of three places every time. You'll end up in jail. You'll end up in an early grave. Or you'll end up alone. And think about it. How many people do you know that have had run-ins with the law because of a crazy lifestyle? How many people do you know that have ended up in the hospital or ended up in the graveyard because of a crazy lifestyle? How many people do we know whose families have been destroyed, whose friendships have been destroyed, whose relationships have been destroyed, who end up alone? Because there's always a price to be paid for the lifestyles that we choose. There's always a price to be paid for the lifestyle that we choose. Now listen, I got news for you, okay? Jesus isn't concerned this morning with whether or not you're a good person. Jesus could care less this morning whether or not you're a good person. Because none of us could ever be good enough to earn acceptance from God. Okay? So let me shatter this doubt in you this morning. You're not becoming something that you're not when you accept the love of God. You're not becoming something that you're not when you allow Jesus into your heart. You're not becoming something that you're not when you become involved in church because God doesn't care about any of that stuff. He cares about who you are right now. Who you are right now. Think about the people that Jesus surrounded himself with during his ministry and his life. He surrounded himself up with some jacked up people. I mean, think about it. Peter was one of them who was a hothead. He couldn't control his emotions. He cussed a little bit. That's always fun in the middle of church. I mean, he's always having trouble with Peter causing situations that he had to fix. He had Matthew, a tax collector, as one of his disciples. In that day, a tax collector was considered to be, like if you were a sinner here, like the worst of all sinners, a tax collector was considered to be like a couple of rungs below that. And that's who Jesus went to. And that's who Jesus picked. That's why we say here at LifePoint Church, come as you are. Come as you are. You don't have to be a good person because God can take you where you are and move in your heart and change you from the inside out and make you the beautiful person that he knows that you can be in him. Not because of somebody's idea of the good person that we think you should be. Good doesn't impress God. The heart impresses God. Amen? So don't let that doubt hold you up this morning. Circumstances, lifestyle. Maybe you're, you're here today and intellectually you've got some questions that you want answers to. You've got questions that you want answers to. Like, you know, if, number one, why are there so many religions in this world? And if there's so many religions in this world, how can we possibly know that Christianity is the only legitimate one? Well, I'm going to fix it in just a simple statement, okay? All the religions in the world exist because they are man's attempt to connect with God. 
All the religions in the world exist because they are man's attempt to connect with God. Jesus is God's attempt to reconnect with mankind. Big difference. Big difference there. And, and that's how he chose to connect with us. Like if I were to pull out my phone and I was to say, I want everyone in here to give me a phone call. Everybody take out your phones just for kicks and giggles if you got them. Everybody's going to call Pastor Josh. What's the first thing you're going to ask me if you don't have my phone number? Now, you ask me what's my phone number. What if I was to say to you, just pick one? Any number is going to lead to me. Just dial whatever you want. One, and people, are having, people that have my phone number are calling me right now. Y'all are punks. Y'all are punks. This is awesome. So... So the only way you're going to get me is if you've got my phone number. If I said dial 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and you'll get me, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Because every phone has got a specific number to get to that phone. It doesn't matter how many phone numbers exist in the world. My phone's only going to ring if you've got my number. Listen to me, people. Jesus is the only legit number to get to God. He is the only legitimate number to get to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Bible says that there's no other name given to heaven by which man can be saved, and it's the name of Jesus. Jesus, he is the only way. All religions are man's attempt to connect with God. God's attempt to reconnect with man is Jesus Christ. You think about all these theories that are taught in school, evolution and, and all of that is it how do we how do we really know that that god exists like one theory that is taught is the big bang theory and the big bang theory says that all of the nothing that was in the universe compressed together and then suddenly all that nothing just exploded i want to say that sentence again <laughs> that all of the nothing that was in the universe came together compressed together, and over time, all the nothing exploded into something. Think about that for a second. Cody, uh, hey, Kobe, you back there? Why don't you come on up and help me out? Kobe's going to help me with an experiment this morning. You can leave the black cloth. We don't need that. I thought, you know, this sounds interesting enough that maybe we should try it out this morning. So we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. Y'all feeling brave today? You guys on the front row, you're about to have a lot of fun. Put the bucket up here. All of the nothing in the universe came together and came together and formed some, boy, we just turned into a ghost town up here. I like that. Y'all been watching Gallagher, I see. All right. So we'll have a little bit of an experiment. Now, I've got in here some eggs, and I've got some cake mix. Colby, if you will, why don't you go ahead and put the eggs in the bucket? There we go. One, two, and three. Why? Because on the box it says we've got to have three large eggs to make the cake. So, butter, golden, deliciously moist cake. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Colby, why don't you go ahead and pour the cake mix in here, too. So, we got eggs, and we got some cake mix. 
It's going in here. Why are you doing this, Josh? Because this is all the ingredients you need to make a cake, right? Got the cake mix, got the eggs, we're going the oil and all that stuff. We, we, we got a, all right, here we go. Now, we've got the mix in here. So if this theory works, if we have a bang loud enough and good enough, we should have a cake eventually, right? So on the count of three, I'm going to need you guys to say bang as loud as you can, okay? So one, two, three. Okay, hang on. We got a cake? No cake. All right, we're going to try one more time, all right? On the count of three. One, two, three. I don't think it's working, guys. We're going to have to break out the big guns. Um, Why don't you hold this for a second? I came prepared. Mm. (laughs) That ought to do it, right? All right. Now, how many people think that there's a cake in here? All right, we're going to look. Is there a cake? No. No? Okay. How many people think that if we wait 8 or 10 billion years that there's going to be a cake that will appear in this bucket? It's silly, isn't it? Thank you, Colby, for helping me out this morning. Can you grab that as you go, too? Take all that with you. It's silly to think something like that. Man, we got cake mix all over the place up here. I went to church and they blew stuff up. It was awesome. It was great. Y'all, y'all can come sit on the front now. You're okay. You're safe. <laughs> I'm glad we survived that because it's kind of 50-50 on whether that lib was going to stay. But no, it, it won't work. And here's why. Because you got to have somebody to make the cake even if you've got all the ingredients right there's got to be someone to make the cake put the frosting on the cake you got to have somebody now if it works that way with a cake why would it be any different with what we see in creation think about how complicated our fingerprints are think about how complicated uh, the pattern in our retinas are So if they want to identify you specifically, they check your fingerprints, and they can scan your retina. No two the same. That's detailed. Think about how detailed and complex the human brain is. Think about how complicated just one strand of DNA is. There's no way that that could randomly happen. There's no way. It defies logic. It takes more faith to believe that that could happen randomly and chaotically than it does to believe that there is a God that created it all. I mean, think about the beauty of a sunset. Think about the beauty of creation. Think about all the wildlife in the world. Think about the landscapes. Think of the depths of the ocean. All these beautiful things that we see. 
None of it could have happened by random chance. None of it happened by chaos. Think about the majesty of the mountains. Think about the placement of our planet in orbit. One degree this way, we'd burn up. One degree this way, we'd freeze. Think about the complexity and the depth of the universe, how big and how vast it is, and how detailed every planet in that universe is. I'm telling you guys, creation itself points to the fact that there is a God who in his intelligence designed everything that we see. It has his fingerprints all over it. So don't let intellectual hang-ups keep you from experiencing God because his fingerprints are all over creation and points to the fact that he does exist and he is the answers to our lives. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and intellectually you don't have the hang-up. Maybe your hang-up is religion. Maybe your hang-up is religion because you've been there, done that, you got the T-shirt, decided you didn't like the thing, you gave up and you walked away because you found out that the church is full of messed up people. The church is supposed to be full of messed up people because the church isn't supposed to be full of good people because God doesn't care if we're good. The people think that God wants to take good people Or take bad people and make them good. And God's not interested in taking bad people and making them good. He's interested in taking spiritually dead people and bringing them to life. Now, if if you've experienced that, look, I don't want to diminish what may have happened to you because I know if it was important enough to take you out of church and if it was important enough to affect your relationship with God, then it's important. And it was a big deal. But here's what I would encourage you with this morning. I would encourage you not to confuse the mistakes and the judgmental attitudes of people for the heart of God because they're two completely different things. I'll say it again. I don't want you to confuse the mistakes and the judgmental attitudes of people for the heart of God. In fact, when Jesus was on this earth, the number one group of people that he butted heads with were religious people. And one of the best examples of that in Scripture is when he came across a woman who was caught in adultery. When I say she was caught in adultery, that's what it was. They went in the house, they caught her in the act of adultery, drug her out of the bed, out of the house, out into the streets, where they judged her and they were fixing to execute her. And then they asked Jesus, hey, she broke the law, we caught her in the act of adultery, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus drew a line in the sand literally as he was drawing in the sand between the two mindsets, between a religious spirit and the heart of God. And he said, hey, the ones of you that are here that have never committed sin, why don't you guys cast the first stone? Shut them down. They dropped the rocks, and they went away. Jesus turned to the woman and said, where are your accusers? She said, they're not here. And he said, listen, neither do I accuse you. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Because the religious spirit was ready to judge her, was ready to expose her, and they were ready to execute her. And Jesus came in, and he loved her, he forgave her, and he changed her. And that's the difference. Don't ever, ever, ever confuse the mistakes and the judgmental attitudes of people for the heart of God. Because God still loves, God still restores, God's still in the miracle working business, and God cares very much about you and where you are in your life this morning. So don't let other people mess up your experience with God. They need him as much as you do. 
And here's what people don't realize sometimes is that when we let people affect our walk with God and we walk around with hurt and unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives, that it makes us no different than the people that we're offended over because we're walking in the same sin that they walk in. Don't let people mess you up. Don't let people mess you up. God is here to remove that doubt in your life this morning. Why? Because Jesus, is, he loves us enough to give us the answers to all of our doubts. He doesn't run away from it. And for everyone on, that, on the videos we showed you this morning, for Michael, for Michelle, for Nathan, and for Nisha, if you attend Life Point Church, you already know what I'm about to say. They found a way in God to cross over from the darkness of doubt into the light of belief again. They found in Jesus something that would answer all the doubts that they had in their lives. And they committed their lives to him again. Michael serves as an usher here faithfully, Sundays and Wednesdays. Michelle is awesome. She oversees the guest services ministry here at the church. I think it's great. Nisha serves on the board of this church, and she helps serve coffee to people when they come in. And Nathan is involved in the media ministry of this church because they all found in Jesus the answers to any of the doubts that they had in their lives. They might not have it all together, but they're serving God to the best of their ability, and one day at a time they're getting closer to him and becoming more like him because God doesn't care about whether or not we have it all together. He cares about our hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. And Jesus just doesn't give us all the answers to take away our doubts. Listen, guys, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. And he's the reason why we're here this morning. Amen? Amen. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we're here to celebrate the rising of Jesus from the dead. But there's some stuff that had to happen before he could rise from the dead. The Bible says in John that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for you and me, to pay the price for our sins. Jesus stepped out of heaven, a king, royalty, to this earth, and he humbled himself. He was a servant. He washed the feet of his disciples. And figuratively, he washed our feet as mankind the entire time he was here. He said, I haven't come to be served. I've come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he walked this earth 33 and a half years. He served us by performing miracles. He served us by healing the sick. He served us by opening blind eyes. He served us by opening deaf ears, seeing lame people get up and walk. He even rose the dead. That had to be awesome to see. 33 and a half years, he served us until it was time for him to make the sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says that he was betrayed by one of his closest friends and that he was given a mock trial where he was, listen to this now, he was found guilty of being innocent. Jesus was found guilty of being innocent. And for that, he was convicted and sentenced to death. And they beat him, 
and they whipped him. And they used a tool that was meant for one purpose, to rip the flesh from a human body when they tortured him. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we're healed. When they were through torturing and beating him, the Bible says that he was unrecognizable as a man. He was beaten so badly. They took him to a hill called Golgotha, which means a skull. And there they crucified him. They drove spikes into his hands and into his feet. And they mocked my Savior. They lifted him up on a cross. And the whole time they were making fun of him, he was saying things like, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. And eventually he had to breathe his last breath. And he died on that cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. And I don't ever want us to forget the price that Jesus paid for us. And in that moment when he breathed his last breath, it seemed like to everyone there that darkness had won. The light of hope was gone, and the darkness of doubt was there. And it affected people like Thomas. One day passed, and nothing had changed. Two days passed, nothing changed. But on the third day, the light broke through the darkness. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. On the third day, on the third day, the stone rolled away from the tomb. On the third day, the Father breathed life back into His Son. On the third day, Jesus rose with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. On the third day, He rose again with our victory over sin, with victory over hurt, with victory over disease. On the third day, He rose. On the third day, He rose with victory over Satan. On the third day, He rose with hope. On the third day, He rose to give us future. On the third day, He rose to give us life. And on the third day, our Jesus rose to remove the darkness of all doubt from our hearts. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the risen Savior. And He is the hope of life that we have this morning. Give Him praise in the house today. Our God is worthy. King of kings and Lord of lords. How can you be in your seat in a time like this? Let's stand to our feet and give God praise. He overcame. He overcame. He overcame. And that same victory that He had in that moment, He gives to you and He gives to me today. That in the name of Jesus, we have life. In the name of Jesus, we have freedom. And in the name of Jesus, we have the answers to every doubt that we experience in life. You can be seated if you can. Bow your heads and close your eyes.